Welcome to We Used to Talk About This at Work, episode 14. This week we discussed the 1995 classic movie Bad Boys starring Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. How y'all doing? I'm Matt. My uh, co-star has some um, business to take to to take care of, so I'm fine solo this week. So what better way when you find solo is to go with your day one friends. So this week I brought a couple that I've known since high school. Y'all want to introduce yourselves? You got Jordan from St. Louis. I'm Fonzie. Uh, some people call me Pro. Some people call me Will. I got a lot of different uh, names out here. Just depends on how you know me. Right. So we've known each other since high school and uh, college. We all went to the same college in one shape or another. <laughs> <laughs> so what y'all been up to? Nothing much, man. Just raising, raising a family, um, working, trying to start, you know, businesses in order to get some some side money coming in that can hopefully become, you know, regular money. Working for myself, being an entrepreneur, putting some stuff together. So it's been, it's been a long last twenty years since we all met, uh, but you know, I finally feel like things are kind of coming together. Being in my mid thirties now just kind of understanding the hustle and knowing, knowing where to put the pieces and seeing the bigger picture. Right, right. And what about you, yeah, Pro, Will, Fonzie, director? Same for me, man. I just, I just been working. Uh, ended up really finding myself or finding what my real dreams were. Uh, I'm directing now, and it's kind of like uh, something I've always kind of dabbled in or been interested in, but now that I'm actually doing it, I, I feel like that's my purpose, that's my calling. And uh, it's definitely been a, a grind, definitely been a struggle. And But things are, like like George said, things are coming around now. They're finally coming full circle. I feel like I put a lot of work in, so I'm seeing some results from that. So what do you, what do you direct? Wait, both of y'all asked a question. Well, I, I was just going to chime in before he asked you. He said, what do you direct? But my my comment was going to be that Will Pro Fonzie was the first person that I ever knew, family or friends or otherwise, that was making money on a non-traditional nine, nine to five kind of job, you know, with the rapping stuff originally and then, you know, doing the video shoots and, you know, photo shoots and stuff like that. I always admired that and that was something that kind of drove me to looking forward to kind of starting the lawn care thing and then doing the power washing business and now real estate stuff. So Will was definitely one of the first people, the first person that I knew that was doing stuff on the side. So salute for sure. Man, I was the first to say first to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, that's I appreciate one of the funniest that, dudes I know. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. <laughs> hey, okay. What you been up to? You know, living a life in Japan. Uh, I got uh, doing this supply thing, just got a little promotion. So I'm about to be the new uh, supervisor, making better money. You, and then uh, 
Jordan got me on this uh the real estate stuff. So he got me some videos and everything. So I'm watching that. Uh, I'm trying to see how to maneuver in that realm. And uh, you know, just living a life out here in Japan. Hey Jordan, let me ask you this. What would you recommend and why? And like uh, Airbnb versus, I guess, true real estate? Um, well, there's a lot of different ways to get into real estate. The, the one that's most attractive to me and to most beginners, I think, is using creative real estate tactics where you're not putting up your own money. You can do that with Airbnbs as well, where you get into a position with the actual homeowner of the of the, the property that you're looking at, and you take over that property in one way or another. And then by you having the equitable interest in the property, you can then collect, you know, rents or Airbnb uh, payments that go towards your final equity in the property if you're going to hold it for the long run and cash out the homeowner. But me currently. I mean, down the line, Airbnb and other solid properties that you can hold in order to rent out single family residences and stuff like that is, is on the table. But starting out, you have to build enough capital in order to basically pay yourself in the business and then build business credits so that you can purchase larger properties with a lot of money. I think Airbnb is the way to go in certain markets like South Miami and stuff like that. But everywhere else, you would probably be better just getting a rental, single family residence rental and holding that for the long run. But I mean, again, it just depends on the market and it depends on the money that you have. What I'm into now is wholesale real estate where you find a property owner who needs to get rid of that property for whatever reason. So they're trying to sell it uh, because they have to move or just because they're downsizing or they're behind on their mortgage by several months and they can't catch up and they're gonna be foreclosed on. So there's a way that you can help these people either by uh, taking over the payments for them or yeah. signing a contract to purchase the property at a certain number and then selling your interest in that contract to somebody else who actually has the cash to purchase that property in full. And whatever the difference is between those two numbers you keep. So, gotcha. so since I've been doing this, you, you can, I've had several checks where I've made, you know, five grand on maybe less than four hours of work and just pushing paperwork and making contacts yeah. and making, um, you know, relationships with realtors and stuff like that. So it's a very lucrative business that you can get into with very low capital and like zero overhead. Do you have, do you, it can it all be online or you have to like physically meet with these people or what? Uh, you can do it virtually. Uh, so you can pick up a house, you can get a house under contract in Dallas, Texas or Atlanta and you're sitting in Washington, DC or you're sitting in New York City and you send the paperwork via, um, you know, DocuSign. They sign, the seller sign the paperwork, they email it back to you. This is all done within minutes. And then you wire your money to open escrow to the title company in the city where mm -hmm. the property's sitting at. And then they wire you a check or wire you your money or they mail you a check. And then you're, you know, five, 10 grand richer just, you know, with the snap of a finger, basically. 
Yeah, that's what I'm trying to like. That's what he's telling me that you don't even have to be there. So that's what I'm looking to. Me being over in Japan, I'm trying to do the exact what exactly he just said, so I can make. I ain't trying to. I was gonna do if I mean like if I have to, I might have somebody like Jordan or my mother do something. But I'm trying to do it all virtual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's why I was asking it because I want to. I want to get into some more investments. I got into some stock and stuff. Y'all know I used to do like the financial advisor. Yeah. Right now that's just down. And really, if you don't have a lot of money, you ain't gonna make a lot of money. Uh, right. So I'm trying to figure out some stuff. Yeah, and the self-driven, <clears throat> the self-driven uh stock, the 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 thing that I'm mostly um you know like interested in was stock options. And I did mm -hmm. like a little a little class where it's kind of basically day trading, I guess, or you can hold it for several days and then and then cash out puts and um, um, calls. But yeah. it's very volatile. And like you said, unless you got some money to lose to catch that big one, because I've seen people make 10, 15, 20 thousand dollars on, you know, one option that they're trading yeah. or several options that they're trading. But you definitely have to have the cash and you definitely have to be able to watch the market so that you can get out at the right time. Because a, a second too long or a minute too long, it, it could cost you thousands of dollars, you know. So you're right. But let, let's back up a little bit. Uh, I forgot to say how. Uh, let's go in detail how we all met each other. So, do y'all remember how we all met each other individually and collectively? Yeah, I remember uh, how I met both of y'all. I mean, I met you in school, Matt, and then Jordan. I don't remember what happened, but I think I was interested in your cousin or something like that, or she was interested in me. And I was yeah. at your house, I think. Mm -hmm. So you so you and Matt actually met, because you, you're, uh, we were, we're all born in 84, right? Yeah. Yeah. But you two, your graduation year from high school was 02. Right. So did you meet freshman year of high school at Central? I don't mem I don't know. I remember my it was either our junior or senior years where I I don't know if we knew each other, but I just remember like senior years where we became cool. Which would have yeah, been I don't, really, I don't remember either. Okay, because I because when I I moved to Ronnie and Dana's house, my aunt and uncle. Uh, in mm -hmm. 2001, so I went to Central from 2001, 2002, and then 2002, 2003, and I think I met Matt because he lived around, like down the street and around the corner, corner like a, a, you know, a minute and a half walk from my aunt and uncle's house, and then I think I met you, Will, like that same summer before my junior year, 02, 01, 02 like at a basketball court or something in the neighborhood or just up the street. And we just gotcha. kind of clicked right away. Or maybe it was at my house first, you know, at Ronnie and Dana's house, but. And then uh, we, uh, me, and, me and Will both went to college together, roommates. And uh, let's say that's where I guess the shenanigans started. Uh, yeah. We, were some, we were some wild boys. <laughs> and we and we missed we uh we missed one or maybe two. <laughs> we missed yeah. one of us. Well, yeah, because uh, that's what uh, uh, we uh, are. Just text me. I'm gonna text him. We uh, we just text me. 
because even though Jordan wasn't a, it wasn't a in college with us, we went to like not orientation, but you know when you go get your IDs and stuff. And I remember Jordan got ID and Courtney got an ID. And Courtney, how old was Courtney at that time? Uh, Courtney got an ID. Yeah, I remember that day. And she would have been like 14 or something, 15. Yeah, so we got, and then we all, it was, I guess the process to get ID was very relaxed back then. And then that's how you got well, ID. All, all they asked for was your social security number. And I think they, I think they also asked um, for your, your classes to show like the, the printout of your, your classes that you were registered with. Mm-hmm. But I think there was a way to get around that just by saying the classes that you were in or something. <laughs> yeah, I take and math then, and English. <laughs> yeah, and then they, they were like, just line up right here and take your picture and then they would print the ID. Right. So then, you know, so then we we all had IDs. We was in there and uh, Will's cousin Corey was there too. So we had, uh, we, we formed our group, the LC, the Legend Club. <laughs> Those yeah. those IDs actually granted a lot of access to to places that we would have never been able to go. <laughs> me especially, me and Corey especially being the age that we were, because we were, I think me and Corey were both seniors when you guys were freshmen in college. We were seniors in high school, and so we would use those IDs to go to uh, other parties, other college parties. Uh, by showing ID and getting in, uh, we we weren't able to drink obviously because you still had to have like the the stamp or whatever. But just to be able to go to Umsel and check out their parties and go to you know just random places was kind of cool. I thought I was I was starstruck, you know, being able to do <laughs> as a senior in college in, in high school. <clears throat> when did y'all actually start like drinking? When did both of y'all start drinking? I, no, like, I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying like y'all alcoholics. I'm just saying, <laughs> when did y'all get into like, because we weren't really drinking then. Nah, we didn't drink at all when we were going to those parties or nothing. I didn't start drinking until after I joined the Navy. And I remember um, it was, uh, we was in Bahrain. We was in Bahrain. And we was at this one party, this club. And I'm like, man, this, this is whack, man. This shit is whack. And then he's like, man, if you're not having fun, you're not drunk enough. And I'm like, I don't really drink like that. He was like, come on. So then he gave me a, a shot of like Captain Morgan or something, took a shot. Then we did a double. Then we did a triple. And next thing you know, I'm dancing on ugly girls and fat girls and everything. It was all good after that. And that kind of <laughs> led me down this road. So I just, yeah, I just started drinking. I was 20. Yeah, because the drinking age overseas was 20. So. That's when I started drinking. Yeah, I think I, I got started a little bit earlier than that. Um, when I was working at Pizza Hut as a senior in high school, the, the a lot of the delivery drivers were 23, 24, 25. You know, they were, they were younger kids right out of college or still in college. And they would, believe it or not, delivering pizzas, drink tall boys in between deliveries or on deliveries, you know, and... Um, partaking some other things like uh, smoking, you know, but I remember one time I was, I was taking a break. I had like a 15 minute break and they were like, you can hop in the car and ride with us to take this delivery. So it was already two delivery drivers 
together in one car taking two different orders. And then I was sitting in the back and they were like, yeah, you can crack this tall boy and go ahead and sip some. So I was like, okay. And uh, kind of got my cherry popped a little early, you know, with the underage drinking, but uh, I don't preach that anymore. And I, and I don't drink nearly as much as I used to. I'm actually giving up alcohol completely, so. Uh, what made yeah. you do that or decide that? This, I don't know, man, feeling older, being in my mid thirties and feeling like, I'm, you know, every time I would drink, I would feel too sluggish. I, w I wouldn't necessarily get hangovers, but it definitely slowed me down the next day. And, you know, it, I started having digestive problems and stuff. So I'm, I'm eating better. I gave up drinking. And uh, I quit smoking for good cigarettes and um, just trying to kind of watch my weight. Yeah, work out a little bit, you know, and get get back into a shape that I'm comfortable with going into my 40s. Yeah, I mean, I just started uh, working out as well. It's actually cool. I don't see how people would like it. Like, uh, I don't understand that part, but it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I think the longer you do it in the, the routine that you keep, it'll start to feel like it's missing out of your day if you don't get it in. You know what I mean? Because yeah. there is kind of like this chemical rush that you're supposed to get the endorphins and stuff like that when you run or when you work out and, mm -hmm. you know, you get your muscle muscles working and get the blood flowing. So I think the longer you do it, I think you'll, you'll start to like it and miss it when you don't get it. Well, so going back to you and all your different uh, business ventures, remember when we used to brainstorm of different ideas at your crib right yes do you remember when i came up with gifts back then i don't but i definitely don't doubt it you came up with a lot of stuff you probably had a lot of inventions in your head that never came up <laughs> i came up i remember we was at his crib and i came up because we was because this is when you was talking about uh you was thinking about doing that nail salon stuff and we was talking about different apps and or not apps, but we were talking about different things. I was like, well, what about the oh, text yeah, like little you, videos? Yes. I remember that now. I remember that. That's crazy. Right. See? Was that before video phones? No, this was no, this was like 2000 after the Navy. So at least 2012-ish, 2013-ish. But yeah, I was like, they should do like a little okay. small clip video that you send, and they'll, and that, those are gifts now. When I came up with that years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You believe it or not, to piggyback off of that, inventions that uh, could have made us billionaires or whatever. I don't know if gifts could have made you a billionaire, but I remember probably about same time, 2011, 2012, I was entertaining some friends at my place, and we were all drinking and I didn't have any food. And so we wanted to go to McDonald's up the street, but we didn't have a sober driver and it was a little too far to walk and it was like kind of cold. So at that time we both came up, this is me and my brother's wife's cousin, Darren. We came up with Uber Eats or DoorDash or whatever, because I remember we were thinking, I wish we could just call the McDonald's and had them bring it. And he was like, well, they don't deliver food. And I said, we could call McDonald's and ask them to put one of the customers on the phone. We could pay for the order over the phone with a credit card and have them drop it off to us. And we'll leave them a tip. And then we were just like, nah, that's not gonna work. You know, we can't get that going. And then like, I don't know when Uber Eats came out, but it was 
probably just a couple years after that. And I just remember thinking, damn, that was my idea. So See, I, I could be. And it'd be, it'd be simple ideas that you would think about. And then you'd be like, oh, that sounds like a good idea. But then who would actually do it? It's just like who would actually uh, go and, you know, hop, hop into a person's car like Uber. And now what I read the other day is they got the same thing for rental cars. So, like, if you want to rent out your car for whatever amount of time, just like a rental car service, you can do that now. Yeah, Turo is one of them that I've heard of, which is actually yeah, kind of a cool concept. Some people purchase cars with business credit and then um, rent them out. Uh-huh. And it'll, it can pay your whole car note, you know, from just one weekend renting it out. But I think, again, you got to be in an area like Orlando or a very heavily touristy kind of area for that to work. Right. Yeah. So I don't I know from shooting videos. I mean, this is these are higher end cars, but they're going for like fifteen hundred dollars a day, two thousand dollars, things like that. So they're making a lot of money off of those. And it's always in like Miami, Orlando, L.A. Vegas. Dive more. We'll dive more into what you do as far as shooting stuff. Like exactly, what are you shooting? How? Like, how do you get your stuff you shoot? The listeners okay. want to know, man. Right, cool. cool, man. So, as of recently, I I I finally got into shooting film. Uh, hold That's on, let me stop right there. Big... Stop right there. Uh, forgot the most important part: promotion. What's the name of your company? Well, my name, the name of my company is Luxstar Studios, and then my personal brand is just Director Fonzie. Luxstar, I keep that a little separate. I do, like, commercials and things like that, like, just corporate stuff that's, like, strictly corporate now. And then Director Fonzie, the brand itself, is when I do everything else. So that's music videos, commercials, now film. Film is, like, my biggest dream. That's what I really wanted to do. Even when I was back when I was rapping, I kind of wanted to have, a, um, like, Ice Cube, his like you know a rapper then got into film and businesses or a dr dre something like that yeah. uh but when the rapping really wasn't going how i wanted to go i just i didn't want to be no 30 40 year old trying to make it so i was like man i'm just gonna go for this what i what i really want to do in the end ultimately so you know i started doing that um and it's 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 definitely um i like it i actually love it but it's something that if I'm, if anybody is going to start doing it, you just got to understand that like the first, unless you just get a big break of some sort, the first, you know, three, four years, it's going to be a struggle. But once you figure things out, it, it's, it's very lucrative and fun. I mean, you get to look at pretty girls all day, make money doing it, travel, uh, meet a lot of people, experience a lot of new things. Um, you know, it's a lot of fun, like, for example, sets with yachts and jet skis and things like that. So it's cool. But that's that's the the good side to it. It's bad side. It's like, you know, you got to have your business business in order because people don't want to pay you, uh, you know, just things like that. Really, really just the business part. Make sure you stay on that. Okay. And that's what I had to learn. So for, for, for Luxstar, the stuff that you do for Luxstar, the commercial stuff, that that's what you're saying took you know, a couple years for you to really get 
get going, get the wheels spinning and, and, and up and off the ground? Or you mean with the film stuff? I feel like everything, man. I feel like it, it all, it, it was the same, the same grind, just a different clientele. Like you had to prove yourself. You have to prove yourself. Uh, and that's done. So, so say for example, before I started actually landing commercials or, uh, or brand work, I would do spec commercials, which is pretty much where you go shoot a commercial on your own for a brand that you didn't get paid to do. And you just pretty much showing them what you can do. You come up with an idea, you go shoot it. And then you send that off to other brands. Like, Hey, this is what I am capable of doing. And then, mm-hmm. um, that's how I started landing things like that. And then a lot of times, honestly, I've never promoted my company. So I'm blessed that like everything has been referral ba- referral based. So for example, I did uh, in St. Louis, I did a, um, I used to do stuff for this uh, fur and leather company. And then I got a, a uh, fashion show out of that. Then when I did the fashion show, I did a, an event, like a corporate event. And I did that corporate event. I was there and they, they liked my work and they I came back and filmed a video business card for their whole facility. Right. So after a certain point, basically, it's just more so getting better at your actual skill set versus trying to uh, build the clientele. Because once you get clientele, honestly, it's 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 you just in the in the in the loop. Yeah, yeah. And you save a lot. Yeah. yeah. Same way on and on on the urban side. Once you shoot a couple popular artists or whatever, um, and I haven't shot, I've shot a couple major artists now, but haven't shot many, but even still on, on a smaller scale, once you shoot like the popular artists in that city, oh, who shot that? And then it's just like, a, a, you know, everybody's coming to you. Yeah. That's kind of the that's that's like like thing too with your wholesaling. Once you get your clientele as far as the buyers and everything, then you pretty be good, pretty much be good. Right, right. Yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, because the people who have the cash to do this, you you are kind of like their marketing arm because although they have the cash to buy these properties, they're not actively looking for these properties. So people who bring them the properties, they will pay you to to get in your position in the, the contract with the homeowner. You know, and handsomely, they'll pay you 15 grand so that they can purchase a property at the price that you got to set for with the homeowner, you know what I mean? Because they're going to make so much on the flip side of it anyway. It's 50, 60. I feel, like, I feel like that's a great business venture for you. From what I know about you, you're very intelligent, but you're also are very um, charismatic and very good with speaking to people. Mm-hmm. Both of y'all are, I don't, you, once you get into it, Matt, like you, you, y'all like um, people's, people's people. I feel like Y'all will be very successful like that. I don't know if that's like the main side of it, but I feel like that's a good attribute that you guys, that I know about y'all that y'all have. I feel like y'all will go crazy. It is. I mean, it's basically relationships because you you talk to people who have a problem that you need to let them understand that you can solve that problem, but you also want to let them know that you understand what's going on and that you care and that sometimes they will sell it to you they will sign a contract with you for less, you know, to sell their house for less than somebody else would pay because they build a relationship and rapport with you. So it's, it is important to create relationships and to be personable. And so that it's a major factor in doing wholesale real estate, which can really help you kind of blow up doing it. There's people that I follow 
you know, like any other thing that you will find on YouTube uh, who have gone from, you know, living in their parents' basement to running a multi-million dollar wholesale real estate company in less than three years. All right. So yeah. you personally, Jordan, do you like doing in person or, or online? How do you like, what do you um, Well, all of my deals so far have been in person in St. Louis, but um, I think the, where the bread and butter really is, is doing it virtually because you can get in the markets where the margins are much higher without having to be there. You know, so Southwest markets like Phoenix and Las Vegas or, um, you know, Los Angeles, those are really competitive markets. But if you can get in those markets and close a deal, you can probably make triple or quadruple what you would make in St. Louis. Just because the medium home, median home price is just so much lower here as compared to somewhere else, you know. But for me, either way it goes, it, it doesn't really matter because you'll either talk to the homeowner via phone or text message or, you know, through a postcard. They find a, a postcard that you send to them that you're interested in purchasing the house, the typical like we buy ugly houses things. And then they'll call you back if they have an issue or if they are actually in the market to sell their property. And then from there, you have to talk to them. So I think virtually it's just, it's the moneymaker, but doing it in person, I think you can, you can really drive home that, that relationship, you know? And couldn't you use your, um, couldn't you basically, you, you basically bilingual. So couldn't you cater to the Hispanic crowd as well? With yep. This? Yep. Yep. Um, South, like again, the Southwest, um, the you know Nevada, uh, California, New Mexico. There's a there's a huge market for people being able to to do this marketing for the properties to find the deals in Spanish. So a lot of people will just in these groups that I'm in, they'll pay somebody to talk to a prospective client and then you know kind of close the deal like that. But if you can do it by yourself, then you just got to leg up on the next person. All right, movie time. Two hip detectives protect a witness to a murder while investigating a case of stolen heroin from the evidence storage room for their police precinct. It was the perfect crime. No one saw it coming. No one heard a thing. This was our career bust. This was what, $100 million? This had to have been an inside job. Everything went according to plan. But there was one thing they didn't plan on. Let's do this right. No gunshots, no dead bodies. Well, you know, if I recall correctly, the last couple dead bad guys belong to you. Please. You ain't even trying to compare body counts. One, huh, huh, huh? Should I keep going all day? I'm out. I'm out. Bad boys, bad boys. What, what you gonna, gonna do? What you gotta do when they come for you? Bad boy. Now, this is one of my favorite movies of all time. George, what's your thoughts about this movie? Before, Man. give me your give me your thoughts about it before watching it recently. What was your thoughts and memories of this movie? Well, I had seen this movie probably <clears throat> over a hundred times. <laughs> no, no exaggeration. Um, I saw this movie for the first time probably in like, I think the movie came out in 95. My uncle had the VHS tape in 96 
and I'm pretty sure me, my brother Jared have watched this movie, like I said, a, a hundred times. It, it had been our favorite movie for a long time. It's kind of one of the movies that got us into movies, even though it's, it's probably having seen it recently again, uh, after several years of not seeing it, it's, it's not the best movie, but as with most things when you're younger, the best is not necessarily, you know, it, it's, that's very subjective. And so for us, it was action packed. It was amazing to see Martin Lawrence and Will Smith uh, with the on-screen chemistry that they had. Uh, I thought it was hilariously funny. Uh, it's a very quotable movie. Uh, we used to know every line, you know, in the movie. Um, so I don't know. It was it was it was in my t it was it's always been in my top ten just from an entertainment standpoint. It's it's a really good movie. And what's crazy about it though is that, you know, when you see the credits in the beginning, they they actually show Martin Lawrence over Will Smith because earlier you were like, you know, starring Will Smith and Martin Lawrence, but it's actually the other way around. Will Smith wasn't a a huge star then. He had only done a couple other movies. And I don't even think he was the lead role in those previous movies. Yeah, it was a uh, um, he done a he he was in a uh, a couple of his uh, his TV show. It was a couple seasons of it. So yeah, at the time, Martin Lawrence was a bigger star. Yeah, because they yeah, both because... they both had their TV show, and Martin was higher up than the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Yeah, 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 and so. It was it was cool. I, I remember when when I first saw it, I had known Will from you know the Fresh Prince, but I didn't I didn't really watch a whole lot of TV. Uh, but I knew the Martin Show a little bit better than I knew the Fresh Prince, and so it was just kind of like you know seeing both of them being in the in the movie together. It was just cool to see two familiar faces. But I thought it was just hilarious them together. The stuff that they would do, the faces they were making, the dialogue was great. And uh, they carried that over in, into part two, although I don't think part two was as good as, as the first one, but. Uh, yeah, let's get into that. Oh, wait, back to uh, <clears throat> all the quotable lines in the first one. As I was watching it again yesterday, like every time I'm in there, like, back up, put the gun down, and give me a pack of tropical fruit, Bubblicious. <laughs> and, and some, uh, Skittles. <laughs> and some Skittles, yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, from the very from the very beginning, you got the titty titty strutty strutty. Right. <laughs> it's like, so why well, I gotta I, get the big thick motherfuckers? Yeah. <laughs> anytime I see a woman in high heels, I always think titty titty strutty strutty. Um, yeah, I always yeah, say like, whenever whenever I'm in a club, I always be like, uh, all the scattered ass around here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Budweiser. Yeah. So, like I had a million of them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so now back to the other one. Okay, so my wife, when I told her I'm about to talk about this on the podcast and everything, I'm like, I was like, yeah, let's watch it. And then she's like, wait, which one? I'm like, the best one. And she was like, two? And I was like, hell no, one is the best one. So now the reason why I say this is that I've always had a problem with the second one and third one, even though if I had to rank them, it goes the first one, third one, second one. Mm -hmm. The big, my biggest problem I have with the second and third one is if you watch the first one, Martin Lawrence's character, yes, he was married. He had a little bit of not a sensitive side, but you know, like um, 
I don't want to say soft is the right word, but he was a little bit like that as far as, you know, around the dead bodies and stuff like that. But he was yeah. still hard at the end. You're the right to remain silent. Anything you say can will be used against you a color law. He's like, man, what are you doing? Getting it out the way. But right, then right. on the second and third one, they made him like a bitch. They made him all soft and um all this other stuff. And I didn't like it. It's okay to be like, you know, but they just made him too soft it was, it was too much of a stark contrast from the first movie right where you know he he was kind of a little bit like that but he still had you know the rough whatever detective thing and i didn't like how they did that for the rest of those movies right. to where the it made it seem movie. like will smith was the big badass and then he's kind of like carrying along martin lawrence where both on the first one they was both like that yeah 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 true true the second one is with the uh the, the blonde dread dread dreadlock guy, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I haven't seen the second and the third movie either one of them probably more than twice, I think. No, I've I've seen the second one twice and I've seen the third one once. And like you said, I've seen Bad Boys <laughs> 50, 11 times. And I've seen, I love that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a classic. That'll always go down as as uh, one of my top ten movies to watch for entertainment. So I love that. So if you haven't, if you were uh, a youngster and hasn't and haven't seen it, it's on uh, Japanese Netflix right now. Go check it out. I don't know if it's on the U.S. Netflix, but yeah, it's a definitely must see. You will as action, uh, definitely comedy. It, it's great all the way around. So normally during this time, once we discuss a movie, Chad will come in with some trivia information and everything else like that. I'm not Chad and I didn't really like figure out this all trivia stuff. So I'm about to just, and he does like a little question. So I'm about to just okay. give you some trivia and you just tell me that, well, I already know you're not going to, I take that back. You might know this, but the biggest trivia thing that I found was the original movie concept of this did not was not attended for Martin Lawrence and Will Smith. It was originally meant for guests. Guess who? Okay, well you're not gonna be able to guess, but it's crazy. It was originally meant for Dana well, me, and okay. John Lovitz. I definitely would not have guessed that. You're right. Right. So, it, uh, the project was being ran around with Disney with a completely different pairing. Once so bizarre is it almost impossible to imagine today. SNL stars John Lovitz and Dana Carvey. The two actors got as far as a screen test with Michael Bay before, according to Bruckheimer, it fell apart because Dana Carvey dropped out. So just imagine wow. it was going to be them. And also, that would have been a completely different movie. Right. Like, and they said that a lot of the stuff in there, like those quotable lines, those were um, ad libbed because the script was written for Dana Carvey, John Lovett's white guys. So when they gave them the script, uh, the director was like, either Will Smith or Martin Lawrence, hey, how would you say this? So then they right. went that way, and then that's how you got those great lines, because but that a lot of that stuff was not written in the script. Well, I could, yeah, that's why I was saying it would have been a completely different movie, because I can't even imagine either one of them, John Lovett's or Dana Carvey saying, most of the dialogue that's in the movie you know? <laughs> right it wouldn't fit and i felt like they at that time this is the late 90s 
well, 95. Yeah, 95. Did it come out in 95 or 96? 95. Okay, so 95. I guess they were still stars, but they were definitely older. So I, I don't know. I, I couldn't place them in that movie at all. Right. And uh, crazy. And, at, and towards the, the, the car scene at the very end um, with Boucher, that car was wrecked. So a lot, that's why when they're uh, majority of the, the scene is a close up of him driving that because the car mm-hmm. was wrecked when they were filming it. So they had to wait to get another car because, you know, it was limited edition. So they had to wait to get another car ship to show the, the film it a second time with the actual car. Oh, wow. And my last bit of a thing, Martin Lawrence told GQ that Lawrence Fishburne turned down the role of Mike Lowry. Jeez, okay. <laughs> so when did, when did they sign on Will Smith for the role? I guess once I mean, everybody else uh, turned it down. <laughs> see, that just goes to show you, like, he, he wasn't in the running at all for, for the movie. You know, right. they were going to establish stars. I think that, that's got to be, like, his breakout, like, co-star role. Because he, I know he was in, uh, he was in Philadelphia, right, with Tom Hanks. And that is, like, the only other movie that I can think of that he was in before Bad Boy. Because okay. after Bad Boys, Independence Day. Right. And, then, and that's where Independence Day was, was, was really blew him up to be the movie star. The lead guy, yeah. yeah. And I, I just can't. found it. It says uh, Sony bought the rights from Disney for $3 million. Martin Lawrence has signed on at that part. The studio wanted him, wanted him to team him up with Arsenio Hall. But Michael Bay decided to replace Hall with Will Smith after noticing the potential of Will Smith on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And then mm-hmm. Arsenio Hall later on turn, uh, said Sice is his worst career choice he's made. Wow. So we could have got a totally with from Dana Carvey to Arsenio Hall, Lawrence Fishburne. Mm-hmm. It could have been a totally different movie. <laughs> right, right. That is, that's wild. That's wild. Well, I mean, we, you know, that pairing is going to go down in history, I think. So I, I'm glad they, they, uh, they got Will and Martin in there because that duo is, that's a strong duo for the first movie, at least. Right. Um, that's all I got. Uh, you want to plug anything on the way out? Man, I don't have any social media. I mean, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I never post on either one of them. So, no. Um <laughs> I guess if you know me, you know me. If you don't, then uh, you could just replay this podcast to keep me in mind, I guess. And also, Will had to go take care of some business, so he won't hear. So check out him. and um, His uh, stuff is Director Fonzie and Luxstar Studios. Check him out. Y'all want to get some stuff shot and all that good stuff. And uh, thank you so much for listening. Please rate, like, and review our podcast on your platform of choice. If you have any feedback, please email us at weusetotalkpod at gmail.com. Like our Facebook page, We Should Talk About This at Work. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at weusetotalkpod. And away the news goes. <laughs>